Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Die Hard Hoops podcast. I'm joined by Taylor Kramer. I'm your co-host, Steve Kramer. And big time episode today. We're we're touching, we're sprinkling in, we're peppering in many different topics in this one from Michigan State basketball, upcoming big game this weekend against the other team. And then we are going to touch a a little bit on the NBA, some Pistons, Locate Cunningham coming along. It's great to see. All right. Uh, A few NBA thoughts as well. Uh, College basketball landscape. Very fun episode. Uh, Tay, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm going to try to get my energy to match yours. It sounds like um, either you had a good night's sleep or or you've had two to three cups of coffee already. No coffee because I'm getting over a cold. My taste buds are a little uh, Uh, out of whack yet. But I went to bed at 8.50 p.m. last night. Yep, yep. And I got up at about, I'm still, our whole family's had like kind of a cold. So not COVID or anything, but something that's just kind of cold. been hanging, an actual cold. Remember those? Yep. Um, so, but it's, it's been like dragging. So I had to go like get antibiotic and Layla was sick. Lindsay's still kind of getting over it. So my usual schedule of like getting up quite, quite early is, is not. So this was actually the first day um, that I got up before 6 a.m., um, and part of that was because I went to bed at 8.50 p.m. I'm, I'm like 70 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the nine hours of sleep really got me going today. So I'm ready. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Where should we, where should we start? As you mentioned, we're going to sprinkle in a couple uh, different things today. Where should we lead off? Michigan State. Michigan State basketball. They just lost to Illinois. And man, they played like doo-doo the first half, I thought. And, um, you know, that, that, that was one of those games where you watch it and you're like, man, I really hope they win, but I felt like they deserved to lose that game. Um, especially considering how hard Illinois played, how well Illinois played and them not having two of their best players on the team. Um, it, it was just like, yeah, you're, you guys don't deserve to win this game. Yep. That was the same takeaway that I had. And, and we were still right there at the end And what a strange couple weeks it's been I don't know how often teams have even one game in a season where a guy is at the line with a chance to tie it and there's and there's virtually no time on the clock that's happened twice in the matter of two or three weeks for Michigan State once against Northwestern and then against Illinois and we missed free throws in both those situations but to play so poorly against those teams and still have had a chance to win I think um, you know there's some good things that can be gleaned from that but it's the same stuff, man. It's, it's turnovers, it's mental errors, and just still kind of feeling like we need to find our way. Some of these games I watch and I'm like, okay, we're 15 and four, and it still doesn't seem like people have fully settled into their roles yet. And so I, I guess I'm going to have to take that as, as a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you look, you look at the games won and the games lost and, you know, who are the teams that we've lost to? I mean, we've lost to, you know, a lot of the best teams in the nation, you know, and to be able to be a half game back in the Big Ten, eight games through, I think that we would definitely take that. If you said, hey, eight games in, you cool with being a half game back for first place with this team and the expectations that you had coming in? I know I would take that. You know, if they say, hey, you're going to be 15 and four, 19 games in, into the season, you're going to take that. I would certainly, certainly take that. So, um, 
but I agree a hundred percent. They don't feel like they have found the, the chemistry level where the main guys are playing well consistently at the same time. We've seen great games from Bingham. We've seen great games from Brown. We've seen great games from Paul. We, I mean, different guys have stepped up and shown the capability to really take their game to another level. But very rarely have we seen a game where all of these guys are clicking at once, which is somewhat of the frustrating part of seeing this team. And also the part that says, hey, we got Tom Izzo on the sidelines and it's still the end of January as we're recording this. In some sense, it kind of feels like we're right on schedule. I think there's arguments that could be made for that, because as you said, Izzo, Izzo is right there on the sideline and he's done juggling acts before much later in the season. We're not even into February yet. We're nearly there. Uh, and so he has time to figure some of this stuff out. Players still have time to figure out what their roles are. And that's just what I've noticed that I think within these next few games, we're really going to see even players like Tyson Walker, who have has he's held onto the starting point guard spot, despite largely being outplayed by Hogard. And so I think that's just a preferential thing where Izzo wants to, to see what he has with Walker, keep him in that starting lineup, and then let Hogard run that second unit and really be kind of the spark plug. You saw things in the second half of Illinois where certain players have to realize certain things. And one of the things that Walker has to realize is that this team is better when he willingly takes those open threes and, and dribbles into those jump shots. Like he can get those open mid-range shots almost in the same way that Rocket Watts could last year. But Rocket willingly took them, and and Walker hesitates on some of those things. And he has a pure shot. He's shooting really, really well this year. And so for him to come off a ball screen and to, to have a wide-open three and not take it is harmful to the team. But that's an easy fix. Like, eventually, he's just going to be able to say, okay, that's something that that I need to do earlier in the game because he's a player who – he does seem to get better as the game goes on first half. He's, you know, he's a shorter guy, so he might drive and get his shot blocked a few times in the first half. And then the second half, he might figure it out, finish through contact a little bit and launch a couple of those deep jumpers. And so um, just little things like that throughout the roster, I, I think people are going to figure out and we're going to be a lot better team because of it. And you look at some of the, the struggles, you know, we could take this Illinois game into into perspective, especially since they lost by one, you say, oh, if they would have made literally just one more shot, they could have, have won this game. Uh, realistically, I think the biggest complaint, though, is the intensity level. I'm sure Michigan State was coming into this game. They had the big win at Wisconsin, right? They're coming into Illinois game. They see, okay, two of the best guys aren't playing, and they relaxed, right? It's human nature to relax after a really big win. It's, it's, it's a little bit human nature to, to get caught up in, okay, the, the best guys on the other team aren't playing. And so you think you're going to walk in and you're not quite as laser focused as you're supposed to be. And this is the Big Ten. You're going you're gonna to put yourself in a, in a troubling position if that's the way you come into the game. Clearly, that's the way Michigan State played in the first half. They were down, what, 15, 15 points. And as much as they were struggling the whole time you're watching that game and you're saying, man, 
they're going to come back in this game. Like I know that they're going to make a run. They're going to come back. Um, but it's just disappointing to see them not having that killer instinct from the start, because at this point in the year, every game is a championship game. If you want to get first place in the big 10 and yes, Illinois didn't have two of their preseason all Americans playing, but guess what? They only had two losses in the conference. They are right there. If you beat this team, now you're two games up on. If you lose, now they're a half game ahead of you, right? They got the tiebreaker. So, like, this was a huge, huge game. But because of the human nature of the Wisconsin game and then not having some of their All-Americans, Michigan State didn't approach it. To me, like, this was a championship-level game. And every game is a championship level game. The biggest game is always the next game. You're right, man. And that's the gauntlet that that is the big 10 is that there's these games in, you know, early January that you might lose by a point or two. And then you might find yourself at the end of the season in second, third, fourth place. And it's so tight at the top that you can easily point to those games where it was just like, yeah, well, we didn't show up that game. Um, somebody was off. We didn't have the intensity or maybe we had a game with 22 turnovers, whatever it was. And those are the things early in the season that cost you, especially in a conference like the Big Ten. The Big Ten is consistently the best conference uh, from top to bottom, I think, the last few years at least. And um, and so that's just that's just the nature of of a conference like this, which which walked us right into this game on Saturday, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan is currently 10 and seven, four and three in the conference state, as we mentioned already, 15 and four, six and two in the conference. But Michigan has won their last three games. We, we, it's all been well documented, the struggles that they've had in their season, trying to piece together these new parts and to find uh, the right mojo, the right chemistry for their team. But it seems like they're starting to hit their stride at the right point in the conference season, what are a couple of the things that you're looking for heading into this huge rivalry game? Well, I think we're going to get to see two teams that are juiced up and focused. Um, I was talking to my buddy, Brandon, and he's, he's been following the Michigan program. Um, well, his entire life, but this year, essentially what he's saying is that they had these big recruits come in. Of course, Hunter Dickinson returned and it seemed to be like, the perfect mixture. That's why they were, they were ranked so high in the preseason is that they have these studs that are coming in. They have consistently great players and Dickinson and then Brooks can be a steadying presence as a veteran. And it just hasn't meshed the way that, that obviously everybody thought that it would. And he pointed to just inconsistency and the defensive effort. Um, People not really knowing their roles yet either. And so I think this is going to be a really, I mean, there's no excuses now. If you're not focused against your in-state rival, then when are you going to be focused? And I'm suspecting and expecting that both teams are going to come in hyper-focused. Both teams are going to play really well. And my prediction is that state is going to win because I do think that they're the the more well-rounded team and that if you're going to take two focused teams, I would take Michigan State. They have, uh, you know, from up to eight guys that are going to be able to contribute in a game like this. And I think that that's more that more than Michigan has. Um, but this could be a bit of a, a turning point, like for, for both programs come in, play well in this game. And then you're going to see just a, a more focused team throughout the rest of the big 10 slate. 
I like it. And I mean, we, we talked about the big win that Michigan State had against Wisconsin. Also very easy for them as they're playing Illinois to be looking ahead to this rivalry game coming up on Saturday against the University of Michigan. So, I mean, it it's hard to say that you're playing a team that's essentially right there with you in first place at Illinois and call that a trap game. But at the same time, with what they did against Wisconsin and what they had coming up in the future against Michigan, it's easy to see how that might be a loss. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm seeing the future a little bit. But in my mind, that loss against Illinois could be one of the best things for them coming up into this Michigan game. Michigan's as hot as they've been all season and continuing to push forward into their league play. What do you think? I think so too. Um, the the Illinois loss was early enough in the week that that then gives Izzo time to uh, to bring his team back down to earth, let that loss settle in, and say, and look who we have coming up. And there's a few days at least of practice. And so that was the same thing that we saw before the Wisconsin game: is that we lost to Northwestern, and then we had enough time for that to to be a wake up call. And then we went into Wisconsin, which is one of the toughest places to win, and we beat them. And so I do like that we've had some time um, to hear about who's pra- who's been practicing well and what we can expect going into this this Michigan game. And, you, and we just have we have guys on our team who, you know, you can't tell me Gabe Brown um, in his last season of eligibility isn't pissed that that first game against Michigan got canceled. Like these are the games where somebody like Gabe Brown, who going in as a, a four star recruit, probably didn't expect that he would be here um, this long. I know that. We may have thought that as fans, but these kids, they they think that, hey, I'll, I'll definitely be able to go pro after my my sophomore, my junior year. His Twitter handle is going pro. And so um, here he is thinking, this is my last go around against Michigan. Like, let's do this. And so I, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for this game. And I'm, I'm confident, especially with it being in East Lansing. Are there any specific like players or things that you're, looking to see or hoping to see in this game? So I want Gabe Brown to, to really leave his mark on this game, but almost on the other side of the coin is someone who's young and, and has yet to be baptized into this rivalry. And that's, that's Christy. And so I would love for him to be able to come in and understand the seriousness of this rivalry right away. And I think that he has, he has the demeanor to be able to go in there kind of relaxed um, and start to play aggressive in this game and understanding, Hey, I'm a six, 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 seven shooting guard. Um, I've already been a better defensive player than I was expected to be. So he's going to be able to impact the game on both ends of the floor. And I think that with it being an East Lansing, he's going to settle in and I'm predicting he's going to have three or four threes in this game mm-hmm. and a cool 18 points. Wow. Wow. That is a big prediction because Christie has had a, a roller coaster season, Taylor. I mean, what has he won? Like freshman of the week a couple times? Five times. It's the most since Miles Bridges. But then he'll have a game like Illinois where he goes like one for eight. Oh, it's a week slate of freshmen <laughs> in the Big Ten this year, I think. Because you got so, these these Michigan five stars and they haven't they haven't played as well as everybody expected. Yeah, and, and neither has is Christie. But I mean, he, I'm sure he's surprised. He's like, wait, I got freshman of the week again. You know, like he – you know, he'll, he'll have games where you're like, dude, this is a NBA, clearly an NBA prospect 
He's got the NBA body. He's got the skill set. He's smooth. As you mentioned, he's already at, that's one of the nice things about some of the freshmen that Michigan state has brought in him and Aikens like can defend as freshmen. That's usually one of the things that maybe doesn't pick up until like somebody's sophomore years. They're really able to defend at the next level. They're already defending at a high level. Um, but his, his shooting has been such a, a roller coaster. If he has a big game, they're winning for sure. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think with him and Brown, um, if they're poised to have breakout games, then that's really all you can ask for in the recipe to beat to beat Michigan, unless we just get an absolute explosion from from Dickinson. And I don't mean to say that that Michigan State is highly favored in this game by any means. Rivalry games are always um, they mm-hmm. could go either direction, sure. and Michigan has enough talent to where they could explode. And this might be the turning point for them. Very talented um, team. Very. And so Dickinson could provide, could provide some problems as always. And so that's going to be a big test. We, we continue to go kind of down the roster and saying like, here's these guys who they've been around the block, but yet still have things to prove. And that's also the story of Marcus Bingham, another up and down guy. He had COVID this season. And so he's been um, explaining that his wind is not yet back for someone who already has struggled with conditioning. It's one of those guys, he can look like uh, a lottery pick in, in quick four or five minute stretches, and then he gets tired and then he blends in for, for sometimes the rest of the game. And so we're going to need, going to need big things from him, especially defensively against Dickinson and maybe even put Dickinson in a little bit of foul trouble if he can. Um, but I, I am feeling as well as I could heading into this game. I think Christy and Brown are going to play uh, really well and Malik Hall is this kind of new version of a player, like a no, no, yes player, like, whoa, what are you doing? And then all (laughs) of a sudden, I mean, in this last game, as he was kind of putting the team on his back, as we would make a comeback against Illinois, I think at one point he drove from the top of the key and split a double team by putting the ball between his legs and then shot a little, a little floater. And what a, what a just unique and strange player to watch. Now he's settled in. He has this little fadeaway game going on. And he talks that talk. And I love it because if he, if he even has an inkling of having done something good on the court, he is, he is in your ear about it. And so that's going to be another thing to keep an eye on heading into this game is if he yams one on somebody, or if he even just lowers his shoulder into a, into somebody on a switch and scores a layup, he's going to be barking. And um, another prediction is that he's going to get a technical foul on this game. (laughs) He's a unique player, and I really enjoy watching him play. In that Illinois game, I swear, he he nearly traveled or double dribbled two times in a row and ended up scoring. Um, it was like, what? It was it was exactly as you mentioned. No, no. Oh, yes. Sweet. Um, great play. So is anything else you want to say about this game? Because I know we want to touch on a few, few other things. Uh, we both have a lot going on today. Um, but – I'm just really excited about, about this game. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to listen on the radio. Okay. Well, if, can you pick up Blaha? So you'll be getting Blaha in your ear. I'll try. I'll do. Okay. I don't, I don't know what right. the, whatever is, but I'll well, be listening on the radio. If you got to listen to anybody uh, on the radio, Blaha is a good one. So um, no other major predictions other than, I just think that this game is at a unique spot in the schedule and both teams kind of seem like, they could go either direction. They could kind of settle into being a, a mediocre team or they could, they could really um, rock it from here. And so this is a big game. I'm excited to see it because I really do think both teams are going to play really well. 
Mm -hmm. The only thing I'm curious to see with the lineups and Izzo seemed to cut Sissoku's time out a little bit, but with Dickinson as such a big physical matchup, I'm curious to see if for just this one game, if he ends up getting uh, a few more minutes, you know, Hauser's played some five, but I wonder if this is a game where um, he's really going to go with a, a bigger lineup at all times to a matchup against Dickinson. Yeah, I think he'll get some spot minutes here and there, especially if Bingham uh, does get in foul trouble early, which is which is a possibility. So um, fortunately, it's in East Lansing and whistles tend to be to lean a little bit um, more favorably towards the home team just because of the crowd. And so that could save a couple of those fouls on our big guys as they try to keep up with Dickinson. We shall see. Well, we don't need any calls, but, uh, you know, we'll take. Um, now, you did want to touch a little bit on another Michigan player, but not a college player. This is a pro player for the Detroit Pistons. You've probably heard of them by the name of Cade Cunningham. Yeah, I wanted to give him some shine. So he was, um, I'm sure you've seen on Twitter, the second rookie ever to record the stat line of 34 points, eight assists, eight rebounds, and four blocks in the same game. The other rookie to have done that was Michael Jordan. So, mm -hmm. of course, um, we don't want to go so far as comparing Cade to Michael Jordan, but I think that it's a combination here of Mobley playing so well with the Cavaliers and having them in position to actually make the playoffs like way ahead of schedule. Like it did not seem like they would necessarily have the roster to be as good as they are like right in the middle of the playoffs. Um, but also just Detroit, like their Cade's not getting the shine um, that, that he should be. And I also don't think that he cares. And that's part of it too. Like we saw leading up to the draft where Jalen green was really pining to be the number one pick. And then when he wasn't, he was just bashing Detroit. Like, ah, I didn't want to go there anyway. Like there's no, there's no uh, night scene. I want to be in Houston where I can have more fun. And so it was interesting because Cade's just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to show up and, and work every day. And so part of the other part of why I think, um, Cade is being so overshadowed by Mobley is I think Mobley is a really, really special player. And I'd be just ecstatic had we gotten him number one as well, but we're fresh off a Giannis championship. And so you see these long players that can impact the game at both ends like that. We say, is Mobley the next, the next guy to do that? Well, maybe he is, but there are not many Giannis's or guys of his size that could do that. I would say him and Durant are really the only two guys in the world that can, that have the length to play the way that they do. And maybe Mobley will be that third guy in a few years, but the winning these games in the NBA still comes down to having a playmaker. And I think that Cade, even if he's not the six, eight, that, that they're saying that he is um, having gone into the draft, I'm hearing he may even be as, as short as like six, four, six, five. I don't know how no true way. that is. That, that's that. what I've, that's what I've heard um, is that he can impact the game and he makes smart decisions. He's a playmaker. What we're waiting on for somebody with Cade, he's such a well-developed player in terms of um, his skill set, but also his mentality. Like he's willing to play defense. He's maybe not as athletic to be a, a stopper, um, but he wants to guard the, the best guys. And so I'm really excited about this because when you have a player who's as well-developed as, as somebody like Cade, you're not necessarily waiting as much on his game to develop as you're waiting on getting other guys into the fold that can play alongside him. And that's going to be the main thing that 
that Detroit has to figure out how to do is how do we surround Cade with players who can win us games because Cade is ready to do that. Um, I think next year you're going to just see this second and third year. You're going to see a guy who is ready to go to the playoffs and it's going to be up to the organization to get him players that can do that effectively. And maybe that comes in the form of, of another lottery pick this year. If we could get the guy from Duke, Paulo Bancaro, um, Smith coming in, I think is making around at the first pick or, or a person like Chet Holmgren. Be really excited to get one more lottery pick and then really start to build out the roster because Cade is someone that I'm really, really excited about for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. He's a keeper. And the thing that I like about Cade that I think a lot of our Michigan Detroit Pistons fans can really respect is like he's calm, cool. He's, he's collected, right? He's, he's very smooth, but he's also very hardworking, but he's not, he's not obnoxious. He's not uh, this self-glamorizing personality. He's not this person who is always clamoring for people to baby him and pay more attention to him. He's more of a hard hat guy. He goes in, he, he does the work. He's a winning type player. When you watch him play, he's not an empty calories kind of guy who does certain things that are more padding his stats. He, he goes out there, he plays the best that he can. He makes the best decisions that he, he can given any point in time based on the, the, how the game's being played. And as Piston fans, that's what we want, right? We want more players like that. And so, yeah, he's averaging 16 points a game. He's averaging five rebounds, five assists. All those things are pretty good. Yeah, we, we'd like to see his field goal percentage up uh, a little bit higher, but but that's coming up. I mean, you got to remember, he, he really – he had an injury to start the season, and I remember in one of our very first podcasts we talked about how big of a deal that was, even though it wasn't a serious injury. When you're a rookie, you're going into a brand-new league, the highest level that there is. You're getting prepped, and all of a sudden, you can't play at the very beginning. By the time you have to come back in – you're not only getting introduced to this level that you've never played before, but everybody else, they don't have to get ready. They're already in the season. And so that slow start was, to me, it wasn't surprising at all. And I think a lot of people really jumped off of the Cade Cunningham bandwagon. And I'm sitting back here. I'm like, wait, I mean, did you want him to play better? Yeah, of course I want him to play better. But the fact that he was struggling given the injury and then not being able to play right away if the season goes in, when you're a rookie, this is all expected, right? And so the fact that he's starting to play a little bit better, I see his you know, his shooting percentage about 41% from the field. Sure, we'd like to see that up. I mean, for, for a rookie with his ball handling and the amount of time that he has to make decisions with the ball, I mean, even if he could get that up to like, 44% by the end of the year, right? He's shooting, you know, 33% from three. I mean, to me, hey, if you're shooting, if you're a rookie coming in, you're shooting between 33 and 35%, like with, with his game and stuff, I'll take that, right? There, there's so many things about him. I'm like, man, this is, we have a really good guy. Mo, Mowgli reminds me of uh, Garnett. He reminds me of a Kevin Garnett, just unbelievably long arms, just a fast, quick bounce. And, um, he, he could be one of those special players that is, you know, not just an extremely valuable player, but one of those that becomes one of the top defensive players for like a decade, right? 
which is kind of a, the type of player that I think of when I think of a Kevin Garnett. Like he wasn't just going to score 20, right? And scoring wasn't even his main thing. Like he was just going to get 20 for sure at least. But he was going to rebound. He was going to block shots. He was going to lock up your, your best player. And I see a lot of those characteristics with Mowgli as well. It's, it's, it's just kind of cool to see what Cleveland is, is doing. And um, it's kind of interesting to follow their team. Yeah, I've really enjoyed following along with what Cleveland has going on. And they're, you know, they're not as good as Memphis, but they kind of seem like one of those teams of like, hey, we're going to be ahead of schedule. Like you thought that we would be, you know, at this point right now, we're actually going to be a year or two ahead of schedule. And, and whether they can keep that up or not is the question. But I like you brought up Cade's, you know, field goal percentage. I think that we see a lot of that where in a rookie year, people are just trying to get used to the length, you know, they're that they're being Cade's. If he's our best player, which he already is, um, he's going to be taken on. Uh, he's going to have the the best defenders that are guarding him. And so getting used to the length. And then also, if he's our best playmaker, he probably tends to have the ball in his hands a lot at the end of the shot clock and having to make something make something happen. And that can result in, in lower shooting percentages. But I love the way his shot looks. I like the way his feet like his footwork leading into a lot of his shots. He put Jokic on skates. I don't know if you saw that um, against the Nuggets, but he had a beautiful step back three where he almost put Jokic on the floor. And um, so I, I, I really, I like the way the things look and um, kind of worried less about percentages right now, especially considering he's a rookie. 100% agree. Um, as we round out the podcast, I want to say a couple of things quickly about the all-star game selections. And then I, I did have one thing I want to say about the NBA. Um, maybe I'm going to start with that, Taylor. I think the NBA has got a problem. And you and I have been longtime supporters of not just college basketball, but NBA basketball, because the NBA has the best players. So for me, there's no way I'm going to really, really hate on the league that has the best players, right? They're the best at, at basketball in in the world. So how can I be against that? But what I mean by the NBA has a, as a problem is there's too many high level basketball players that are either not playing or not competing in today's game. And this is a huge turnoff for the general public. When you want people to show up and be consistent, what's one of the best ways that you can gain people's trust? You keep showing up. What's one of the best ways that you can show that you're dependable? You keep showing up. What's one of the best ways that you can tell people you care about whatever it is that you do? You keep showing up regardless, no matter what you keep showing up. And with the NBA right now, there seems to be such a high percentage of players who are for tons of different reasons, but are not consistently showing up to play NBA basketball, which they get paid millions and millions, a crazy amount of money to do. This is not good for the NBA product. This is, if this continues, the NBA in general popularity is going to go down. And it has me concerned and worried 
about the NBA as, as a whole. As salaries continue to skyrocket for some of the, the main, main players, there continues to be uh, a bigger and bigger pay gap between a handful of 10, 20 players and the rest of the players in the league. This has me really, really concerned for the future of the NBA, where it's going, and the respect level that common basketball fans are going to give to the highest level of the game. We need more players like a John Morant. John Morant coming in. He's he's just he's he reminds me like an Allen Iverson. Like just he's gonna play regardless of if he's got you know broken fingers and and whatever, he's gonna show up. We need more players that have that that are looking up to the Kobe Bryants of the world, right? More people who and a couple of those that come to mind are like a Devin Booker, like a Giannis, right? Who are are really thinking about paying homage to the game, being respectful to the game of basketball, understanding that the game of basketball for an NBA player has literally provided things that put you in a percentile of a percentile of a percentile that humans in the world have access to. And the best way to show that you're thankful for that and that you understand that is that you keep showing up and you play and you play hard every single day. And uh, I, I'm just a little concerned about the overall landscape of, of the NBA. We need more players who are all in. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point, um, especially as, I mean, there's handfuls of players that are, that are missing this year. And it's just, it's in a lot of ways coinciding with these incredible seasons that their teammates are having. I think of a couple examples. So Ben Simmons. Here's Embiid might be in the lead for for the MVP right now because mm-hmm. he is playing out of his Best mind. They, just, they blitzed the Lakers last night, and he's missing his second best player. The guy is the guy's just at home because he decided he does not want to play in Philadelphia. And I get that there's a lot of things mixed up in that, whether that's mental health stuff. But my impression, my understanding is that his mental health issues will go away if he can play for a team that he that he wants to play for, and that is that is really hard for me to understand a it's hard for me to understand because he's, he's giving up the paycheck. So maybe that leads you to respect him a little more because he's, he's just, he's just burning money, but aren't you there because you love to play basketball? I don't know what I, what I would do as a mid to early 20, 20 year old whose love of my life is playing basketball and you're not playing basketball. I just, it's hard for me to understand. And then there's Kyrie Irving where um, he's made this decision not to get vaccinated. And that, that decision was coinciding with Durant before his injury, playing some of his, the the best basketball of his career post Achilles injury. And so then you have somebody like Durant who has just had this crazy injury of which has ruined many people's careers. And he says, no, I refuse to not still be one of the top five players in the world top three, top two, and that he's missing his teammate or he has Harden who comes in and is out of shape and is not playing as well as, as advertised. And there's just, yeah, examples like that. I mean, I was even watching the Lakers game last night and I really, I hate to harp on people with injuries, but when you talk about these, these minuscule things that are happening, these little tweaks, and then you get to see which guy 
allows a tweak to take him out of a game and which guy allows a tweak to just be another thing to play through. So Anthony Davis just returned from like an eight week layoff. He had a wrist injury after dunking it on, mm-hmm. on Embiid straight back to the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, I don't know the extent of his injury. Maybe his wrist was snapped in half. I have no idea, but for me, and this is just my, my mentality. If I was out for eight weeks and was watching my team barely keep its head above water, I would have to be missing a limb before I would show any type of weakness and have to go back to the locker room. Hey, training staff, if something is wrong with me, you're going to handle it on the bench because I am not going to take that walk back to the locker room after having been gone for eight weeks. And so that's just one of those things where Anthony Davis has settled into his legacy, kind of being like this uber talented guy that at the first sign of a tweak is comfortable just going back and getting medical attention. And that that's on the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death, a dude who was popping his own fingers back in place and played for the same darn team that you're playing for right now and trying to chase the championship with. And so that stuff, it bothers me to no end. And I'm not trying to say that, that guys shouldn't take care of their body when they're injured. That's not at all what I'm saying, but stay in shape and be ready to play through some of these things because you are getting paid the most that players have ever gotten paid in the history of the game. And you have old heads sitting at home who were making 60,000 a year and were playing in, in low top converse tearing their ACLs. And, and they're like, you have this opportunity, you're making $40 million a year and you can't play through some of these injuries. It's, it is unbelievable. And it is harming the product. Taylor Kramer, nearly in tears, ladies and gentlemen, with that heartfelt segment on giving it your all. And uh, I, I just, you know, we're going to talk about all-star. That's the right way to leave it right there. We're just going to end the podcast right now with, with those sentiments from you and I and to all our listeners out there who are not NBA players, how can you take this message and apply it to what you do? You sell State Farm Insurance, you sell the best dang State Farm Insurance you can. If you're selling um, widgets, you make sure those widgets are nice and shiny, right? And if, if you're selling, what's something else, Taylor? Maybe you're not selling anything. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a professor. Maybe there's a service that you provide to the everyday American. How can you go about your day and provide that product, that service, that time, that conversation with somebody and you deliver, right? You're not just there in body. You're there in mind. You're there in spirit. You're giving it your best. That's what we want from you today. I love it, man. This, uh, it, yeah, it pertains to all aspects of life. Just, just be dependable. And what we would not expect a little tweak or a little, um, a little issue in somebody's day to, to prevent them from coming in and working alongside us. And yes, you need to extend grace to people. I understand that. There's personal things that are going on. We, we always want to remember those things. But if there's minor difficulties in life, you have to figure out how to push past those and still be dependable. And so I think, I think it relates, man. Don't be, don't be an Anthony Davis at the office, all right? Otherwise, you'd only be coming to work maybe on Wednesdays. Be more than that because people are counting on you.
Thank you for listening to the Die Hard Hoops podcast.